prepare to drop. Oh, I keep forgetting I don't have to clap for this. <laughs> no clapping. Unless you want to applaud because we're going to record an amazing podcast right now. Welcome to Video Gameography, the podcast where we explore the most important game franchises in history, one game at a time. And today, that game is Halo 3 ODST. I'm Ben Reeves. And I'm Marcus Stewart. And today we're joined by ex-Game Informer editor, ex-2K community manager, currently at MinMax, friend of MinMax, Brian Vore. Hey guys, how's it going? Thanks for having me. Yeah, thanks for being here. Yeah, I, I really enjoy the the podcast. I I gave it gave it listen to a lot of the the Metroid stuff, and then I you guys have released so far in this timeline the Halo One podcast. So that was fun to kind of listen to it and get refreshed on all the all the fun Ooh. history you guys go through. Oh, thank That's you. fun. Yeah, I believe it was the last episode. I shared the story about our review event for Halo Three briefly. You remember that, Brian? Oh yeah. That was one of the best trips we've ever done, right? <laughs> that was amazing. We reviewed in one week uh, Halo 3 and uh, the Orange Box. It's like, doesn't get any better than that. No, yeah. That's pretty sweet. <laughs> Which everyone who's listening to this, who listened to the previous episode, already knows all this. <laughs> like, yep. Yeah, good job repeating that story I told. Get to hear from the other perspective, though. That's right. I just wanted proof I wasn't lying. Yeah, yeah, so, yeah it it's true. It's good to be true. Yeah. <laughs> oh man. Yeah. That was, that was a lot of fun. Cool. Well, thanks for being here, Brian. As we said, I wanted to invite you specifically for this one because this was ODST. You wrote the cover story for Game Informer when we had ODST on our cover. That's right. I managed to dig through my Game Informer archives. The people uh, at home can't see it, but I'm holding up a copy of Halo 3 Recon, the original title of the game. Yeah, that was back before the name change. Do you remember what was that experience like? Was that your first time at Bungie? Uh, well, I think the first time was when I was there with you to review Halo Three. Oh yeah, of course. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, that was uh, that was in kind of the gamer. I think they they used that for reviews and like multiplayer testing and all that. So we were kind of like cornered into that area. For uh, for this, I walk in the door and I had forgotten this. I kind of browsed through the story again. I get there and after greetings and like, oh, you need some water or whatever. It's like, okay, well, you want to come check out the game? I'm like, yeah, sure. So we're going to need you to wear this. And it's like a, it's a blacked out ODST helmet from like the Neil Blomkamp stuff. <laughs> oh, I thought it was the third game's like legendary edition or whatever that they came with the helmet. I thought it was a Master Chief helmet. It was an ODST helmet. Well, that that helmet you're discussing is the infamous cat helmet because they made it purposely too small for a human being to wear, only sized for cats so that people wouldn't like get it stuck on their head and have to go to the emergency room or something. Yeah, they want your cat to deal with all that. Yeah, but this this was a uh, big enough for even my huge head, and they were like, "Okay, we're just going to lead you through the office because at that time they're like, we just can't let you see stuff." At the time, I didn't know uh, they probably had they had stuff for Halo Reach just all over the office and they were well into production on both games. So they took me into this, you know, I was just led through in complete darkness to this um, tiny kind of demo room. And then that's when I they fired up the game for the first time. 
it was a good story. Unfortunately, it's not really archived anywhere very well. So you'd almost have to get a print copy to go read our original cover story. But any, did you flip through it? Were there any like nuggets you pulled out there? You're like, oh yeah, I forgot about that. Yeah. Um, first off, my suggestion on, well, you know, a good companion to this uh, podcast would be to go back and post the reviews and cover stories from all the old Halo games make them easily accessible to online users. Uh-huh. <laughs> You're probably not wrong. <laughs> but um, the some of the stuff when I was flipping through, they were very much at that time. Obviously, the name completely changed. Apparently, they had cleared it with Microsoft, ready to go, made a trailer that featured Halo 3 Recon. It was all set. And then once... Uh, the game was fully out there from us and other places or us and like the trailer, the uh, people at the old Tom Clancy Ubisoft ghost recon team was like, you know what? That's really crappy. You guys like, and they ended up changing it to the ODST. So it's kind of funny how they had that. And then they also, when they are making this game, they're like, okay, this is our, uh, we're independent from Microsoft. We have some contractual obligations, make a, some stuff between halo three and four you know this is going to be nothing too huge we're going to use the halo three engine and it's going to be it's not going to be super long and we're going to not charge full 60 dollars it's going to be like expansion pats pricing and then as we know as (laughs) you know when it did come out it was it was the full 60 dollars i think it was because they ended up putting so much work into it and it ended up being like Microsoft started to see it as a, Hey, this, uh, this seems like a full package. I think, I think it's worth a full game price. They're like, well, if you want to do that, then you're going to have to give us some more time. And we just want to like polish it and polish it. So it is really, really worth the $60. $60. So mm-hmm. that was kind of cool to see. I don't know if you guys have, uh, gone through the uh, super great story on uh, Vice Waypoint of the complete history of Halo, but it was fun to kind of like skip towards to the ODST section and see a lot of behind the scenes stuff that obviously they weren't presenting to me at the uh, at the uh, appointment I was at, you know, when I was visiting the studio. Yeah, I did. I have brought up that Vice. It's a good story. I definitely used it for this as well. Vice is getting a lot of love from us <laughs> these next few weeks, apparently. <laughs> Yeah, you brought up the name change too. The story I heard was that Microsoft had even told Bungie or for some reason Bungie thought Microsoft had okayed it with legal and to use the name Recon. But then when they announced it, as you said, Ubisoft was kind of like, hey, what the heck? We we have something called Ghost Recon. You can't use our name. And so Microsoft decided to change it, which I don't know. ODST maybe makes more sense anyway, since it's all about the ODSTs. Yeah, I mean, that's what they apparently stands for orbital drop shock troopers, which is like, yeah, that's what they are. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I think it's it's probably for the best in the end. That's their their custom stuff. And one of the cooler things is I actually had. I don't think I have it anymore, but I did have a Halo 3 recon shirt that I got while I was there, and I probably should have just I probably should have just have never worn it and then should have just like sealed it away now it's all sweat stained and it's got like baby barf on it or something yeah it probably got super messed up over time because i wore it all the time and i think it's it's missing in action now i have no idea where it is anymore (laughs) yeah matt miller speaking of shirts has a really good shirt 
Remember, remember the Phantom, the superhero? No, no, no. The video game console. It was like a oh Steam Box before Steam Box. This was like 16, 17 years ago. They were trying to take a PC, the guts of a PC, and put it in a console type box and sell it. I'm looking this up. Oh. Hmm. During the E3 demo for that, Matt Miller got a shirt that says Phantom Lives on it. (laughs) (laughs) It was just amazing because that thing never, that thing spectacularly failed and never came out. Yeah. I just looked up a picture of it. I vaguely remember it. I I do remember his shirt. That, that was, that was excellent. Yeah. It's really a shirt. Well, Brian, we should probably kick this off to start. Love to back up. And talk about your experience with Halo just in general. How big of a fan are you? What did you think of ODST in general? Sure, sure. Um, so I was a PlayStation faithful. Like I was a big Nintendo guy for Nintendo and Super Nintendo. And then I kind of jumped over to PS1. And, you know, I had friends that had N64s and stuff. So I played stuff that way. And then I continued that into PS2. It was, uh, you know, Metal Gear Solid 2 that was like, ah, I finally guess I have to buy this new console. I can't help myself. And I knew Halo was great, and I had some friends who had it, and I did some multiplayer with them from time to time. But I think it was when I started working at Game Informer, I was like, oh, I got to have, I got to have all the consoles, like some fancy video game man. Like the concept of having more than one was absurd to me, so. I tracked down an, a, an Xbox and finally played Halo 1. I'm like, oh, I can see why people love this. This is cool. And, uh, you know, Halo 2 and, you know, just had a great time with them. And then, of course, uh, so you mentioned many times, <laughs> went and reviewed Halo 3. And that was that was a lot of fun. Tell me the story again. How did it go? <laughs> but yeah, I, I did this, did the GI cover story for um, for ODST. And then I was on the trip for Halo Reach with um, with Miller also Halo 4 I think I was I was gone from GI by the time uh I, the stuff for Halo 5 started ramping up Were you I remember I was trying to remember for Halo 5 I remember going to the studio with Wade and I thought maybe it was you but maybe it's somebody else for Halo 5 you didn't write that cover You know maybe it was me there's just so many halos i think i get the four and five trips maybe mixed up but you know that that was probably it because maybe i remember hearing like early on like oh we're gonna have these guard like the name is halo 5 guardians and we have these creatures called guardians in the game like these giant i think maybe yeah maybe i now remember that because we i remember them saying out of the I i thought it was out of the gate where they're like Sorry, we're not going to have split screen co-op on this just because the guardians are so huge and intensive. Like we wanted to like go go to town with the visuals versus being able to support four player split screen locally. They got so much heat for that co-op decision, and then they did it again with Infinite. They're like, it's not going to happen on launch. They're going to have to like roll it out later. Anyway, whatever. That's a <laughs> that's a discussion for a later podcast. Also, I played and beaten Halo Infinite. If we're just going through my whole history so oh nice yeah yeah you you like halo it's fair to say what was your impression of the odst when it first came out i i think i i I liked that it was just like a total change of pace because you know the whole trilogy up to that point was like huge stakes galaxies at war gigantic set pieces absolute insanity and um 
I was really on board with kind of the the more focused storytelling of just kind of this squad, the completely the, the complete kind of visual change of kind of that neon night Blade Runner light um, kind of noir detective story that they were going for. And, you know, the, the feel of the character, they shortened the camera of the character. They made the jumps shorter. The movement speed is, is slower. So I respect that they kind of went with, you know, Master Chief's cannon powers and kind of tried to scale them back to kind of make you feel like, oh, these brutes are actually really huge. Uh, now that I'm not, you know, was it eight feet tall or something? Yeah. Eight three. Is that his official height? That's in the armor, right? Yeah. Oh, at least I assume it is like. How much padding do you think there is in those boots? I always thought that if maybe because he's like a super soldier, right? Maybe it just made his body huge, like how Captain America well, basically. Yeah, exploded. I think that's fair. He probably is like a basketball player in size, but the mm. the helmet probably adds a couple inches, and then like the boots probably add a couple inches, oh, right? For sure, but I don't think it's like the like platform boots or anything. It's not stilts. Yeah. He's not like a tiny little crang in there. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, that be the twist, right? They take his helmet off. Yeah, that's why they don't want to show his face. Yeah, he doesn't have yeah. one. It's all in his chest. But yeah, I mean, I, I think it was cool how they had just kind of like an op- like an open world light uh, city, you know, the new Mombasa stuff, where you're just kind of free to kind of wander around and look for those beacons and kind of look for clues to what happened to your squad and, you know, enemies kind of sprinkled throughout. And it was cool to kind of like look for clues and pick pick stuff up and, you know, flash back into like other characters in your squad and find out like what happened to them. It was it's just like a more focused story was was cool just to see like all that matters right now is what's happening to these people in this squad. You know, are they are they all dead or are they running around still? Can I find them? Can I meet up with them? It was cool. Yeah, what about you, Marcus? I assume the first time you played it was like on the Master Chief Collection or something. Yeah, which would have only been like 2019, maybe early 2020. So not that long ago. And I, it was maybe the entry I was the most interested in because it was the one I knew the least about. Um, just being a sort of a Halo fan from the outside looking in for so long, I only heard murmurs about ODST. And the, the, the idea that I got was that it was kind of polarizing, like, I knew people that were like, ah, this game sucks. And people are like, no, this is secretly the best one or something. I didn't enjoy it all that much, honestly. I don't, maybe it just doesn't, I don't think it aged well. Um, cause it was that first stab at doing, uh, not an open world, but just bigger zones. Like you can see the infinite DNA in this for sure to some extent. But I remember just feeling that new Mombasa was kind of empty for the most part and like maybe too big for what just for like your traversal. It's like, I'm not really like a fast guy. I'm kind of walking for a long time in these big open areas. And like, I already killed everyone here and now I got to go to this objective. That's kind of far away. Yeah, you and still could of, run, right? You could, or, or no, I forget when running became like normal. That was until like four, right? That they I think so. Yeah. Running basically. Um, but yeah. And there was like only a couple of vehicles there here and there, but outside of searching for, um, those audio logs with the, the Sadie story stuff. Didn't know if you guys remember that, mm-hmm. uh, which I, I did enjoy listening to those, but other than hunting for those, I was like, I kind of wish this was maybe a little more condensed. <laughs> I don't really like exploring a big old world like this. If there's not really much going on. So I was a little down on it, honestly. Yeah, that's a bummer. I, 
I'm kind of, I'll be honest with you guys. I played this when it came out. I don't remember it super well. It was kind of a blip on my radar at the time. I think I was probably just playing a ton of Modern Warfare 2 or something like that. Yeah. It felt like this was the year where things kind of flipped because Halo was the biggest shooter franchise in the world up until this point. And then in what, 2007, when Halo 3 and the first Modern Warfare came out, it felt like, oh, this Modern Warfare thing, this is a different take on shooters and this is kind of cool, but Halo 3 was still huge. Mm -hmm. And then two years later, new entries in the series come out again for both franchises. And it feels like Modern Warfare 2 sort of takes everybody's attention. And to be fair, like ODST is kind of a side different project. It wasn't like the next big game, but I definitely felt like things flipped a little bit and Halo wasn't like the number one shooter franchise anymore. Yeah. I will say that ODST, and we'll get to it later, has my maybe my favorite story moment of anything that Halo has ever done. Oh, interesting. Okay. I'm curious to see what that is. Well, in reference to your kind of multiplayer King of the Hill type of thing, um, it was interesting how they how they handled multiplayer with ODST. It was just like it was a two disc game, and that second disc was all of Halo 3 multiplayer plus like bonus new maps, right? There were three new maps, but I remember this was, I think this was in your cover story even. They definitely talked about it ahead of time. Like, this is not a big new game. The multiplayer is basically just going to be multiplayer from three. You get all the multiplayer from three plus like three new maps. Yeah. It was definitely, it was exactly it. So like uh, everyone could play together, but you know, Halo 3 had been out a little while by then. So, you know, it wasn't the hot new thing, but you know, new maps are always fun. And I think when I was Googling to see if this, if this story was available online, a lot of the stuff I found was other sites reporting on our story. And the big thing everyone was excited about was like, oh man. You can finally get the recon armor in, multi- in Halo 3 multiplayer if you do these Vidmaster achievements. Because up until then, it was like only Bungie em- employees and people that they had kind of blessed with this very special armor that could run around with it. And it was like the most coveted thing that you could, uh, that you could get. It's wild to think about people really wanting to have that armor. That's interesting. Yeah, but I guess when, there's, when you know that like that's the most rare thing you could possibly earn, it's like... Ah, gotta have it, gotta have it, gotta have the status. Yeah, it doesn't matter what it looks like at that point. Like, this thing's hideous, but I want it. I want to trick people into thinking I'm a dev. Exactly, yeah. Well, let's dive into the dev history a little bit. Game came out September 22nd, 2009. Games, other games of 2009, Batman Arkham Asylum. That's another game you know quite a bit a lot about, Brian, mm. right? Yeah, that's a great one. Yep. Borderlands. Another Brian Vork cover story, and yours all over the place in two thousand nine. The, <laughs> the year of the war. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, the original Demon Souls Minecraft released in. That was when it released for the first time in beta or whatever, right? Yeah. Oh, okay. It's like, yeah. What did they call that? <laughs> it, was just, it was playable, but not out. Early they, access, I, I guess. I remember Game Informer. We felt like we missed the ball because we're like, well, this is an early access. We shouldn't put it in our top fifty. Instead, we put it in our top 50 in like 2011, which felt like two years way too late. Yeah, because that's when it officially launched. Yeah. Right. Yeah, yeah. By then it was like, yeah, we already know about this game. Like, <laughs> Game Informer, <laughs> it's like, thank you for catching up with everyone. Good job being late to the party. 
Also in 2009, Resident Evil 5, which is a great game, Call of Duty Modern Warfare 2, as we said, and Assassin's Creed 2, a couple of other highlights. Films were Avatar. That was the year that Avatar came out and wowed everybody for some reason. Became the highest grossing <laughs> film for some <laughs> unknown reason. Throwing some shade, okay. <laughs> well, I mean, it's a fine film, but number one highest grossing film of all time? Isn't that wild? That doesn't surprise you at all? Oh, no. I mean, it's entirely on the back of 3D because that's when 3D was starting to become like the hot uh-huh. bad at the time. And I, I will say I did feel like I missed the bugs. I did not see this movie in 3D. And it sounds like from everyone that that was the way to go. But I think it was because of that word of mouth of like, this is the most amazing thing your eyeballs will ever absorb. You should go see it. Also, it's some Pocahontas thing. I don't know. I just remember being blown away because my dad went to see that in the theaters twice. Like he never goes to see, he doesn't see things in the theater that often and he never goes to see films multiple times in the theater. So that just like, this is how it's happening. You're grabbing and it has to be the 3D. Like you're saying it, it became like a Disneyland ride or something where people were like, I got to go do that again. And now it is that funny enough, which the Disney ride, I think the Disney ride is better than the, the movie. Honestly, that right. Be. You can barely get on it. I still have not gone on it because the lines are always sold out for that thing. The lines for that ride are as long as the film. <laughs> you could watch the film. While <laughs> they we should play like the film in the line. While you're yeah, honestly, that'd be cool. I got to try that. What's crazy is that Avatar 2 is still not come out yet all these years later yeah and three what is it it's gonna be like four of them right he's like working on the next three simultaneously isn't that what he's <laughs> yeah who knows what he's doing i mean i actually like james cameron a lot he's made oh yeah. a bunch of great films so i should but avatar is maybe one of his weaker ones i feel like it's my least favorite yeah, yeah honestly and it's fine like i don't have any hate on avatar it's just okay yeah exactly i mean it's a fine it's a dumb adventure you know, whatever we're spending too much time on avatar uh, <laughs> watchmen also came out that year Zack Snyder's watchmen movie the hangover and the the reboot of star trek the jj abrams one. Oh yeah that was that year. oh yeah so some interesting films other big events were that was the year that captain phillips the hijacking of captain phillips happened so not the movie but the actual event happened that year i forgot that was based on a real thing yeah <laughs> Isn't that wild? There really was a guy that said, I am the captain now. <laughs> <laughs> well, was do you think that was actually was a real, do you think he ever said that for real? Like they asked the real Captain Phillips and he relayed that story to like, the director. Like, exactly what happened. <laughs> I don't know, maybe. Chrysler Automobile also filed for Chapter 11 bankruptcy because we were still in the middle of that financial crisis. Hey, remember financial crisis? Glad that's not happening again. <laughs> oh god in 2009 we also had a swine flu pandemic Ooh, remember pandemics glad, glad we don't have to deal with those anymore Ooh, thankfully yeah weird year so but yeah in the middle of that in september 22nd halo 3 odst came out indeed so to start talking about the development of odst we should probably go back to where we left off with halo 3 we had started talking about how Bungie wanted out of the Halo development business. Mm. They were just felt like every Halo was a huge grind. And they're like, hey, we want to we actually don't want to be owned by Microsoft anymore either. We'd love to be our own company again and own our own IP. Mm. So they worked out a deal with Microsoft right before Halo 3 came out that, OK, you guys can go independent. You have to finish Halo 3 and then you have to make two more halo projects for us and then you're you're off you can do whatever you want 
And one of those games was going to be Halo 4, which was later renamed Halo Reach. And then the other game, which was going to come out first, was going to be this game called Halo Chronicles, Mm. which that game was actually connected to the Peter Jackson film that was in the works at the time. Do you guys remember when that was being worked on? Oh, yeah. Some say it's still being worked on. (laughs) Really? Yeah, they they made a full warthog and everything like a working drivable warthog right you think yeah. peter jackson has it in his garage he just takes sunday drives it now oh yeah yeah i bet he's got you know some orc vehicles as well right next to it too which i remember brian we saw a giant warthog at pax one year was it that was it the working one i remember really wanting to get into it that was probably it unless you know, unless, you know, somebody else a few years later, you know, for promotional purposes, they kind of just put a fake Gatling gun on the back of a Jeep or something, you know, like it's, it's it probably it looked legit, though. It probably was if it was legit, because I bet they just kind of threw it on a big, you know, shipping container and just like ship it around the world to all the big events. Yeah, they probably do. That makes sense. So, yeah, Peter Jackson's studio wingnut studio it's one of his film production companies he was trying to start a game development arm and one of the games he wanted to work on was halo chronicles which some people reported was going to be like this adventure game style thing maybe kind of like a telltale game but then in that vice piece the the oral history they talk about it a little bit more and it sounds very different so paul baritone who was the lead designer for halo 3 he says that Joe came up with the concept of Be the Bullet, which this is Joe Staden. We wanted to take the player on this emotional and gameplay journey from just being a human being to being a modified human. Not modified in the sense that you put on power armor, but there's this like biological crap actually happening to you. You were able to switch into this completely different combat mode where the only way that you could do damage was through a powerful melee attack, and you had this these two-handed weapons. One could push enemies away from you. The other could stun them where they were. You also had a double jump and an auto-aim and a long-distance dash that you could do from the air. This just sounds... It's hard for me to imagine what, what this game would feel like, but it doesn't sound like Halo at all. No. And then later on, he said, ultimately, where the Wingnut game was going to go was that you were the Promethean all along. And you ended up in low orbit fighting Covenant cruisers with the ability to turn yourself into a missile targeting specific parts. But then the Halo movie fell through and so did that game. Huh. Like literally turn yourself into just you just boop missile and then just explode on people and then turn back. <laughs> I don't know if you're transmorphine. I just think you're you're like, uh, I don't know, the Rocketeer or something, right? You're just flying through space. Okay. You're like Nova. Or something like the character Nova. Yeah. Or like cannonball from the X-Men. Okay. That makes more sense. (laughs) It would have been, it would have been wild. I can see how, what they ended up with was a little more like, Hey, this is our wheelhouse. We'll make it feel as different as possible, but you're still a guy running around shooting stuff. He said it was connected to the movie. It wasn't, it wasn't just an adaptation of the film. Like the official game is like, this is like supplementary lore. So that was, that makes me think like was that where that movie was gonna go like dealing with the prometheans and i don't think so i think the movie was gonna star master chief and i think this game was a side project gotcha 
but it sounds super weird oddball like why do you want to make this game? Like, where are these ideas coming from? This is not an area of the Halo universe I ever expected to explore. It sounds weird. Yeah. But then Peter Jackson shows you his 19 Oscars and says, this is why. That's right. Well, it's just one of those things, too, where if even Peter Jackson, you know, Oscars and all, all of this clout riding off of the back of Lord of the Rings can't get a Halo movie made, who can? kind of amazing i don't understand what's so hard about a halo movie personally it seems like a pretty straightforward thing to adapt but yeah it's like that that line of thinking was just like prevalent in hollywood where just like uh i know halo is popular among gamer nerds but will the wider public pay money to cover this huge budget we would need i think we can see that turning around now with um you know, we got that Uncharted movie coming and there's the Last of Us TV show and, of course, the new Halo Paramount Plus show, which I'm hoping with TV, it seems like you can tell a longer story and yeah. effects now or just look so good. Even if you're just doing a TV show, as we've seen with like all the Marvel shows and, you know, Star Wars stuff. Game of Thrones. Yeah, like you can have cinema quality effects on TV, so... I guess it's kind of cool to see that that kind of philosophy has changed after all this time. But yeah, yeah it's 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 mind blowing to think that hey, Peter Jackson couldn't get a Halo movie made. Yeah, that's wild. Would you guys like to see a Halo movie? For a while, I was like, oh, Halo could be cool. But then I spent a long period of like, ah, I don't need them to make video game movies. I'm happy with video games as video games. But I don't know. Maybe I've come around on it. Maybe I would enjoy a Halo movie now. Yeah, I'm not opposed to it. Like I would go see it. I I think there's way worse franchises that I probably wouldn't be too excited about. I I think, and this isn't just for Halo, but just most adaptations in general. Like I don't want a straight retelling of like Halo Combat Evolved. Like I'd rather maybe you do your own thing. Like you can still have Master Chief, but maybe just tell your own kind of story and just kind of cherry pick elements from the games is more interesting to me. Because if I wanted that story, I would just play the game. You know. Yeah, hundred percent. That's that's why I feel. But then, the reason I've come around on it is because of, in a weird way, because of Marvel and Marvel's success at taking the things I love about comic book stories and making them work on the big screen and doing yeah. them different. So I'm like, well, I don't know. Maybe I just like franchises. Give me a franchise I like. Yeah, even Marvel does that. Uh, yeah, I get the impression. I haven't read the Matt Fraction run on Hawkeye, but I get the impression. You know, it's heavily based on that, but it doesn't, it makes it its own. It doesn't try to copy it beat for beat, right? Is that correct? I've started reading it for, because I'm watching Hawkeye, I haven't finished it. But yeah, even in like the first issue, you're like, oh, this is a much different thing. But you see the similarities and just like, oh, okay, here's the tracksuit guys. All right. And you kind of, you can see the skeleton for it for sure. Also that, that run rules. You should definitely read that. Ah, I, okay. What's, it's so easy now with digital, like. I know there's a lot of hardcore got to have the real the real physical book and everything but digital's nice and easy you can just click on it. Yes. Fire it up. Also, I don't work for Amazon, but it's actually free on Kindle or at least the first few chapters of it. If oh, you're... wow. Yeah. That's pretty awesome. But yeah, yeah, I I agree. I think you know, you can take a lot of the big beats and core of Halo and and still kind of make your own interesting story. I just saw some news recently where um Kiki Wolf Kill, who kind of heads up a lot of the 
transmedia stuff for Halo was saying like, oh yeah, the Paramount Plus show is kind of its own separate canon. We want the game and the show to kind of be able to do their own thing without having to worry about it all, you know, tying together perfectly. So I, I think it's nice for both sides to have that freedom. For sure. Going back to the game, when this happened, when the Halo Chronicles thing fell through, some people at Bungie were like, oh, good. Well, maybe this just means we, we don't have to make the second game. We can just focus on Halo 4. But Microsoft said, oh, no, just because this fell through doesn't mean you don't know it's the second game. You still got to do something. So the team at Bungie was like, all right, we're heads down on the big game, which is going to be Halo Reach. So let's put together this skunk work team. Joe Staten can direct it and put together whatever you can, but it has to be in the Halo 3 engine. You're not going to have any support from like engineering teams. So you really just got to build with what we already have put together. Run with it. <laughs> Good luck. And that's what happened. It, it was actually completed in 14 months, which is kind of wild to think about because that's half the time of any other Halo project. Did you get a sense of like, because this isn't also that far removed from Bungie basically being on fire, making Halo 3 with, you know, Jason Jones leaving after the big fight and <laughs> even, uh, or Joseph Staten was the one that had the fight and took a sabbatical, but Jason Jones also left. But like, right. Like the dust even really settled from that. And all of a sudden they're like, hey, we got to bang out this thing in 14 months. I think, that, yeah, they were able to move forward with a lot of stuff. So Jason Jones had basically returned. And he had started to work on Destiny. I don't know if it had that name yet, but he and a smaller team were starting to dream up Destiny. Right. But they were also, they also knew they had to fulfill this contract for Microsoft before they could do anything on their own. So the majority of the staff was working on, on Halo 4, which became Reach, as we said. But yeah, I, I guess I don't have any insight into, are they still friends? The people who got in fights, are they <laughs> friends again? I, I presume they're still working at that company, right? Yeah, they apologize for the sandwich that was eaten. <laughs> That's right. I'm sorry. I'll read the labels next time. <laughs> I think a quote from my from my story that I that stood out to me was something about like how the I can't remember it was like the studio head of was either Bungie or on the Microsoft side. I'm, I'm blanking, but somebody said for Joe Satin and Paul Bertone, "Hey, you guys, you got you have a month. Come back to me with something cool." I'm like, okay, so they just kind of locked. They locked the door and they were just just uh, in a room together, just hashing out like, OK, what can we do? What what timeline? Like what style of game? Like how can we make this different? And they just kind of came up with the core concepts in a month, which is which is pretty cool, I, I think. I mean, for having so little time to work on it, I'm kind of impressed in retrospect with the game, because as you said, Brian, the game's open world and maybe it doesn't totally work as an open world game. But it is an interesting idea, and the fact that they were able to to put the game together and have you explore this open world and then tell these they're basically miniature stories you know you'll find you'll find a piece of equipment from one of your friends and then you'll flash back to see their story and you can my understanding is you can do those in any order right so that's kind of a cool approach to narrative storytelling that Halo wasn't anywhere close to doing at the time no, sure like. Up to this point, it was it felt like the most kind of like story dense of the uh, series, and also the we can maybe touch on this a little bit more when we get to the lore. But I was impressed with the small kind of ensemble cast that they managed to kind of get. At the, maybe not the last minute, but because of how short the development, I'm like, oh, they pulled in quite a few names for this seemingly slapped together project. Yeah, 
Yeah, lots of big holiday people, Hollywood people, right? Yeah, like um, like Alan Tudyk and Nolan North in there. Um, Nathan Fillion. Uh, I noticed quite a few, like a couple of like Firefly and Serenity alumni. Yeah, Adam Baldwin, Adam Allen, and Nathan Fillion, the main guy. Trisha Helfer, who's a Battlestar Galactica alumni, also plays Kerrigan in StarCraft II. Well, they clearly love Serenity, like we talked about last episode. And they we didn't mention that those three guys, Alan Tudyk, Adam Baldwin, and Nathan Fillion, were all in Halo 3 as voice actors. They were just like grunts. They were just normal Marines. But they kind yeah, of Halo, Halo kind of has a history of pulling in like huge stars to just do like, you know, a an hour worth of VO of just like, hey, chief, you're looking good, you know, like just like quick, small stuff. But they were excited to kind of pull these guys in to like do real roles this time. Right. I was thinking of like, that's like the South Park thing. Like we got George Clooney to play a dog. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, I, that that's the one thing, too, though. It's kind of like going back. I was like. You know, you start off with uh, all the everyone kind of with their helmets off and talking. And I'm like, oh, my God, I forgot how terrible the faces look (laughs) in this game and Halo 3. Like just the facial engine was just a disaster. It was still a 360 game, right? Oh, yeah. Yeah, but very much so. I remember writing in my review, like the game looks for Halo 3. I was like, the game looks incredible, but these faces are just a complete nightmare. And then I saw, I think it was Jeffum did the review for ODST and he mentioned something about it. So I was like, okay, this is a time and place. Even for the, for its time, these faces were, were very bad, but I think in four, they did it well, but then like five, you know, uh, Nathan Fillion's character, Buck kind of returns and, uh, though faces in five are still very, very great looking, even though it's kind of been a while, like they still look awesome. I'm glad you said that because I remember thinking that when I played this in the Master Chief Collection, but you know, I kind of chalked it up. I was like, well, it's 2009. I mean, not that there were there were good faces back then for sure. I was like, eh, age. I'm not going to knock for that. So, well, at least with Nathan Fillion, you can tell that they were going for him. You can like, well, kind of looks like you know, it looks like him if you squint. But yeah. with Trisha Helfer, it's like, if I were her, I'd be kind of upset. Like, <laughs> what did you do to me? <laughs> Come on. <laughs> And then Elias is an artistic choice. That's right. That's right. Backing up a little bit too, just talking about the creation of the game when they were spinning up and trying to think like, what's this game going to be about? At one point they considered making it a covenant themed game. Like it was going to be all about the Ooh. covenant, which I think would have been really cool. Actually. actually I want that. Oh, yeah. They should do that. And then at another point they were like, maybe, maybe we do this game about Avery Johnson, which also would have been kind of cool. Yeah. I'd be down for that. It's just a cigar simulator. It would, yeah, it'd be it'd be it would have been a cool tribute to him since he kind of went down in flames in uh, in Halo Three. He could have taken the Far Cry healing system, where like instead of having an overshield, he just puts his cigar out in his wounds. <laughs> they could have done that before Far Cry. What was it three or four that started doing that? Does Duke Nukem do that? I feel like I've seen that somewhere. Ah, oh, maybe oh. that sounds like a Duke Nukem thing to do. Maybe yeah. it was forever, actually. Yeah, he was a cigar chomping fella, right? Yeah. Yeah, he was a lot anything, of things. Anything considered <laughs> overtly manly. <laughs> well, by all accounts, Halo ODST's development went a lot smoother than normal, even though they only had 14 months. However, the one anecdote I did read that I thought was interesting was that at the time, 
royalty packages were set up based on whatever project you were working on at, at Bungie. So everybody wanted to work on the big game, not on this smaller game that was presumably not going to sell super well. So they did have trouble getting people to come over and work on the ODST team, at least at first. Supposedly they worked it out kind of halfway through the project and, and figured it out. But I just thought did that it was up selling super well. That would be a great twist of like, and then this thing did a zillion dollars and those people felt a little like, darn it. <laughs> well, for a non Halo game, it's old great. If you stack it up against the other Halo games. No, it sold like two and a half million copies, which is nothing to sneeze at. No. Yeah, I think people would love love a number like that in this day and age. But I think when you're expecting at least uh, somewhat close to a regular Halo game numbers, yeah. uh, it's it's tough to compete there. Yeah, three was like eight million. Yeah, yeah, no, not even close to that. A couple other things the gameplay did differently it was just they had silenced weapons so you could sneak around. The whole open world thing, which we talked a lot about quite a lot. You didn't have any radar, which I kind of forgot about. There was no radar, so you didn't know when enemies were coming from behind. It was you had to look around a little bit more. Oh, wow! I yeah, I remember just getting shot to death from behind a lot. In that <laughs> game. That explains it. Yes, I uh, I definitely use that radar all the time in Infinite, <laughs> and it was weird firing this up just to kind of like remember some things playing the game again. I was like, I really do risk that grapple hook. (laughs) I really do. (laughs) Game changer. Oh, I don't know how I can go back. I was thinking about replaying the older halos after this, but I don't know how I do it without a grappling. I have trouble playing the multiplayer. I'm so used to having it on me and not having to find it. They need to retroactively go back and add the grappling hook to every game in the master chief. Director's cut. Like a George Lucas style. Just (laughs) edited in there. Oh, good. That's like, how did we ever, you know, steal vehicles from enemies before this? Like, we had to run up, <laughs> like a bunch of schlubs, run up yeah. directly to it and get in. Oh, the second and third game, you couldn't even run. Exactly. And then they also changed the health mechanic, so you had to pick up health packs again, just like the first game. Well, you you did. I think when you first fall out, you go to like a health station or something like that, and then I think you. You have like stamina instead of shields. So like it does regenerate. But there were health packs. I think so. Cause you like, you're in your drop pod. <laughs> I guess we should maybe sum up the beginning of this game where you should drop in with your squad and you crash land. And then the rookie is your character who's asleep for like six hours, like passed out in the pod. And yeah. then when you start the game, you kind of like open it up and you jump like super far down. And you're like, oh, you take a bunch of fall damage, which thankfully in Infinite, you don't have to worry about. But yeah, I think I think you go over there and like get healed just to kind of like get you to interact with the computer. Yeah, there are health packs. I just looked it up. OK, but I, I think there is there is regenerating as well. But I don't know. It's, it's kind of a mix. Interesting dual system. Yeah. You want to run off with the rest of the story there, Marcus? Oh, uh, yeah. Yeah. Pretty much that intro. Uh... I mean, even before that, you kind of meet the whole ODST crew, which they all have cool code names like Dare, who was kind of the squad leader. That is a uh, Trisha Helfer's character. You've got what does Dare stand for? I think that's last her last name. Drug resistance education. Drug. Yeah. Oh yeah. I forgot. <laughs> yeah, her name is Veronica Dare, but they just call her Dare, even though they all have cool code names. And I guess she's just using her regular name, but it winds up sounding like a cool code name anyway. So I guess she lucked out. <laughs> she realized she can't top her own name. 
Drug abuse resistance education. That's what DARE stood for. Yeah. I should know. I used to have a DARE shirt. Kind of wish I still had it. Oh, man. I used to have one too. I don't know if it would fit me anymore. It's okay. I wear like a cape now or something. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Of course, you're the rookie, which I still don't know if that's like his code name or if that's just what they call him. We've got Buck, played by Nathan Fillion. Got Dutch, played by Adam Baldwin. You've got Romeo, who was played by Nolan North. And of course, got, who else? Oh, he's a Romeo. And Mickey, voiced by Alan Tudyk. And yeah, essentially they're led by Dare. They're sent this. Uh, this we should uh, point out. Excuse me, that this takes place during Halo Two. Actually, at the end of it, when the um, Covenant ship jumps into slip space and the good guys in in Amberclad, which is their ship, follow them. Like after the beginning of the game, when they attack New Mombasa, this is kind of set as New Mombasa is being invaded by the Covenant. So you actually get to see that sequence from their perspective, which is pretty cool as you're falling from the sky. And like you said, Brian, they crash land. And the idea is that they were sent down to try to deal with uh, to try to assassinate Prophet of Regret. And then Dare changes last minute. Like, no, we're going to do this covert mission instead, which they're not all on board with. And so when they crash, they all get separated. And like you said, depending on how you, you know, the order you find their uh, kind of evidence of where they are, you play vignettes uh, for them. Like, I think it's like Mickey and uh, Dutch, like hook up with a police cop at some point to defend like a building that the Covenant wants and they end up destroying it. But really the crutch of the story is uh, Dare's mission where you're pretty much searching for her and you find her underground. Because you're chasing uh, her signal and you discover the city's AI system called the superintendent. And that it's somehow combined with an alien creature that is part of the covenant. And I'm going to butcher the pronunciation of this, but the, the who, who, who rock? I don't know if you guys know how to say who it. The who, who, what would you say? I said who rock. <laughs> I just repeated you. <laughs> You can also technically call them the engineers too, if that's a that's a little easier. <laughs> that's true. That's what the humans call them. See, I was trying to use their like government name, but yeah, it was just called jellyfish-looking kind of creature, right? Yeah, or kind of like sluggy. Mm-hmm. I don't know what you're describing as. Like a almost like a handier from Mass Effect, but oh, totally. Yeah, more involved. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You find just one of those dudes down there, and that they're kind of a part of the system's AI, and you meet up with Dare, and she just reveals like, yeah the real reason we're here is that we're supposed to recover this thing and get the data from it and keep it out of the hands of the covenant because this species is kind of enslaved by the covenant and they're not happy about it. So they're defecting to the humans because they're sick of their captors. So, you know, originally I was supposed to just take the data it had and leave, but now we're just going to escort it out of the city. Is this the only time in a Halo game where you first meet a new alien species and it's not at least initially hostile towards you? I'm pretty sure, yeah, because like a sentient one, yeah. It's it's hanging out with squads in the city and in some missions, and you're kind of just like, well, I guess this is my duty to kill everything I see. So you kind of your thought is to kind of just go to town and and slay them. But I'm sure you you've got some stuff on the audio logs. But the more you learn about the audio logs, you're like, oh boy, maybe I wasn't supposed to kill those things and especially once you rescue the one and then um there's an achievement too i think for not not killing any engineers in the whole game if you can manage it but they they're they're easy to 
they're not easy to kill, but if you get too close, they'll like just blow you up and kill you immediately. So it's it's kind of tough to dance around and it goes against every every instinct as a Halo player to not just blow everybody up that you uh-huh. see. Yeah, I would love to know the player that got that not knowing like the achievement tied to it or getting the audio locks is yeah, what why wouldn't you just shoot it? <laughs> why? Yeah, and I guess we can mention too on the subject of audio logs. I, I alluded to it earlier, the kind of Sadie story stuff. I don't know if you guys collected all of those, but it tells the story of a civilian girl named Sadie who is um it pretty much chronicles her escape out of the city while she's also trying to find her father as it's being invaded by the Covenant. I actually remember being pretty into those, and I, I almost liked it more than the main plot as I was finding more and more of them. I don't know. It was like a fun kind of radio drama almost of like, oh, what's, now what's going to happen to her? She got to the highway, and then she got screwed over by a driver and all this these twists and turns. And I was like, what if they made a game that was this? Probably wouldn't go over well. I don't think you want to give Sadie a gun or anything, but it, it made me think of like, what if they just did a spinoff in the Halo universe that maybe wasn't a shooter necessarily? Maybe where like you could be the bullet. What if you could transform into a, a rocket? That could be cool. Actually. I like this mm. Sadie, the super missile. There you go. I remember getting a decent amount of audio logs, but I, I'm not sure if I made either. I didn't get the last few that you needed or it's just kind of was harder to follow the story when you see it spread out like that. But before this, I, I watched like a YouTube supercut of everything together. I'm like, oh, this makes a lot more sense when you don't <laughs> when you don't like break up each chapter with like an hour or two of uh, firefights and like another story. Like when you just see it back to back, it was a really cool way to, to watch it, just right. seeing seeing everything play out in one go. Yeah, that was apparently made by some of the guys who made I Love Bees as well. Some of the team. It was a different company, but like the company that made Isle of Bees, those guys kind of spun off and then worked on the Sadie story as well. Oh, okay. That was cool. I mean, I was expecting it to be all audio and I forgot like, oh yeah, they did like full on. It wasn't like moving or anything, but it was like art pieces to flesh out the look and vibe of, of all these logs. So it was kind of, it was kind of neat how they, how they pulled it off and how it ended up being very important to the main story as far as kind of your final your big mission that you're doing everything for yeah so it's basically like the full the, the story of the superintendent kind of ai that controls the whole city that your your mission is to to get it's kind of shows to like oh the ai is not just like this kind of like personality void machine that just runs a city it's like also, this like Virgil subroutine, which has kind of protected Sadie throughout her whole life. Her her dad um, is like a smart doctor man in the city. And he after her mom died, he kind of put this Virgil program into the city AI to kind of, you know, make sure she was safe getting around town or, you know, just like her whole life. She's been able to kind of talk to it and re- rely on it and use it in the city. Like basically the city is babysitting her more or less. That's cool. She kind of does what she can to like help it along and survive. I think at one point it gets unplugged and she like helps reconnect it. And then she discovers it's kind of teamed up with the, the engineer species and they, he kind of, the Virgil kind of gets into the engineer and that's, you know, when they 
the big finale of the game, like you were kind of you're saying, is uh, just escorting this thing. So the end is just like one huge escort mission, which plot wise is cool. But escort missions are always tough in a <laughs> video game. Unless you make the person you're escorting just invincible so you don't actually have to worry about them. <laughs> They're never fun. Yeah, yeah. pretty much. This, this thing is not invincible <laughs> as far as I can tell. <laughs> But yeah, it was like running through corridors, fighting guys, and then like, and then it hops in a truck, and you escort the vehicle, and then the big thing is like the last stand in, kind of on the steps of this of this building, and it's like in the room behind you, and there's like tons and tons of waves of bad guys yeah. coming, and you have to protect it from there. So it's it's really a big chunk. I remember being stuck on that for a while. Like the vehicle stuff, I kept failing. I think they throw a lot at you on there, and I just kept getting the car destroyed. <laughs> and then that last stand, I think that took me a good like half hour or so to get through. It was a lot that they throw at you at the end. And then, it, I mean, they get Virgil out of there, but then like, the city still kind of falls anyway. Like they managed to, because the Covenant are trying to unearth what is later revealed to be a Forerunner artifact that's buried under the city. You kind of see them pulling it out as you're kind of flying out of the city at the end of it there. And but I guess it's still deemed successful. Hey, we got the thing that they also wanted. So, you know, drinks, everybody all good. We did it. <laughs> Sorry about the city. But then a month later, and now we're here to my favorite scene in, in all of Halo is that um, uh, Sergeant Johnson, Avery Johnson, everyone's favorite Sergeant Major, uh, is interrogating the engineer Virgil about Covenant info because he's not sure if they can trust it or not. And so to show that the engineer is on board with the UNSC. The engineer pulls out a lighter and lights his cigar with his little tentacle hand. <laughs> and Wait, I where does the where does the engineer get the lighter? Or maybe he took it from him. Like it's like a moment where they're face to face, and Sergeant's like, you know, you're gonna play, you're gonna play ball. And he's got the cigar right ready, and then he just takes the tentacle, takes the lighter, flips it open. And lights his cigar in his mouth, and that's like the okay. I guess you're on board with us. That sounds like a Roger Rabbit antic. <laughs> it's the stupidest thing, but I loved it so much the first time I saw it. Like I legit laughed out loud. Like that's amazing. <laughs> like I want to, I want to frame that screenshot and have it in my house somewhere. <laughs> um, and that's technically how the game ends. Is that final scene? Unless you play it on, a, on level uh, legendary difficulty and finish it, because then you get an extra scene that shows the prophet of truth um, overseeing the evac or the excavation of the forerunner artifact that was under the data core in the city. But that doesn't matter because it's not the same as watching an alien squid thing like the cigar of a human guy. No, it's definitely the better ending. Yeah, it's funny to think about. I mean, there's there's a little bit of comedy in uh, Infinite, but it's it's fun to remember. Like, oh yeah, it used to be like you know, not afraid to go extra goofy at points. It kind of reminds me, I think Ben, you talked about in the Halo Combat Evolved podcast of uh, Johnson and the grunts, just like, uh-huh. you know, being buds as the, as the, the ring explodes or something and just kind of kooky stuff like that. And a lot of the skulls with, you know, when you get a headshot and you get like the confetti that pops out, like just them not afraid to just kind of be silly and fun. Yeah. yeah during the main campaign, even. What's interesting though, and I couldn't really find anything on this, but you know, this takes place before Halo 3, and they position the engineer as either being the key or a key to beating the Covenant, but you never see or hear it mentioned again after this. So I was wondering, like, did, like, 
I don't remember if anything from Halo 3 kind of indicated, hey, we got this crucial piece of intel from this squid guy or ever again. So I don't understand what the role, like what its role was in the grander plot after this. It's a good point. So this was made after Halo 3 yeah. and then Reach is a prequel. So it's almost like, yeah, they were setting it up. Well, they were setting stuff up that presumably 343 Industries could have ran with, but apparently they haven't ran with. It's like Star Wars, where you know somebody new takes over. It's like, thanks for your notes and stuff, but we're just gonna go our own way. <laughs> I will definitely read this as he slowly tear it apart in front of them. <laughs> <laughs> oh, thank you, thank you. <laughs> just right next to the shredder. <laughs> yeah. One one interesting thing is I forgot was that you know the Virgil AI is definitely kind of meant to reference like this game as a whole being kind of a, a parallel with like Dante's Inferno. Hmm. So in the audio stuff, like there's that one like 800 pound Jonas guy who is like, like that's gluttony. And then, you know, that like that ex cop that helps Sadie out is kind of like a, like the, it's like lust or whatever. And you know, there's the, the evil dude, you know, like there's a lot of apparent, I, I haven't breaking it, broken it all down, but I remember seeing just like references to it. And then when Sadie's dad is killed is, I believe the last circle of hell is like ice. So like he's kind of killed in an ice room by the, the lead, like the, the audio book or the audio log bad guy, which is like the evil police commissioner using the like fire system to kind of freeze the whole room and like deprive him of oxygen and it's kind of weird if you listen to all the audios then you kind of like you know you're knowing like what you're seeing when you go to that you run through the ice room as the as the rookie late in the game yeah and like you're like oh i know what happened here because i listened to all the stuff whereas otherwise it's just like oh here's a it's kind of chilly in here okay let's move on (laughs) (laughs) my armor that is weird that they were inspired by dante's inferno of all things not the game the actual original story for Sadie's stories. But then, you know, with the main game, they were inspired by film noir stuff, film noir detective stuff, which feels incompatible. It doesn't feel like those two things should blend together, but it kind of worked, right? Yeah, it's an, an interesting combo there. But yeah, that was it. That was Halo ODST. I guess the one thing we didn't really talk about too much was multiplayer. Like we said, the multiplayer maps largely it was halo 3's multiplayer was packed in there you were shunted off into halo 3 but then you know you had you had the exclusive maps with it which they eventually sold separately uh the other interesting part of multiplayer was the firefight mode did you guys ever spend much time in that yeah it must it, it's probably tough now to like round up friends to be like hey let's team up and take down firefight in uh 2021 but um I appreciate that it's in in the Master Chief collection as something you can play. When uh, the game first came out, it was I remember teaming up with people at the office to be like, "Oh yeah, let's let's jump into some firefight tonight." It was a lot of fun. Like, there's a lot of maps to try out. It was kind of the trend right at that moment. I think they caught in early with right on the heels of Horde mode and Gears of War two. It was it was a, it was a a lot of fun just to kind of like get a team of all your buddies and just be like, okay, how many waves can we survive? And, you know, seeing all those like combo kills and things pop up on screen when you were, for some reason it was surprisingly satisfying. And it, it, that and horde mode, I think 
kind of were the big trend for many years afterward. Yeah, I remember loving Horde mode and thinking, I think I like this better than straight up multiplayer. I do like that because I like the cooperative aspect. I like that you and your friend are working together rather than fighting each other. And then it's just waves and waves of enemies. It feels fun. And as you said, Gears 2 sort of beat him to the punch because Gears 2 had come out in 2008. But Bungie says they were working on a firefight mode for Halo 3 at one point, and it just got cut. So they brought mm. it back for ODST. It just so happens Gears beat them to the punch with the idea. But they supposedly were not necessarily inspired by Gears. Yeah, it would have been a quick turnaround to like see and play Gears Horde mode and be like, we have to Im- implement this huge multiplayer system, like co-op multiplayer system into our game in just a matter of months. So you would, you would think it had to have been uh, in the works for most of the game. I, I think I remember something in the, in the oral history where it was like, we kind of had this idea and I was like, ah, should we just not do it? It's going to be such a pain. And then I think someone up top was like, no, I believe in you. You can make it happen. You can make it work. And it, it became one of like the key, key things. Like even people who maybe didn't like the campaign or the way that kind of all played out, they're like, well, I think we can all agree that firefight was awesome. Like we all had fun with that. Like, and people can kind of all agree that that was cool. Yeah. I'm one of those people. I, well, I like the campaign fine, but yeah, I do think firefight was the main mode for me when that came out. Yeah. It was cool to see. Yeah. I think that's mostly it. I mean, there was the bit about, they changed the name from ODST, like you said earlier from recon, which do you think, I was just thinking about this. Do you think Ubisoft was upset with Activision when they released call of duty ghost? They're like, Hey, ghost recon this again <laughs> everyone's coming after our stuff <laughs> i think they were fine at least i should hope so i mean <laughs> ghost recon isn't quite what it was back in 2008 2009 but yeah do you guys play much ghost recon advanced warfighter back in the day no i never played that ghost Recon's something of a blind spot in like my shooter like shooters like played i guess but i had friends that were super into it it definitely, it definitely seemed like a much bigger deal than than it is now with the exception of uh not the one that's out now but wildlands seemed like a call oh yeah yeah it seemed like that made some noise and then the breakpoint after that less so or at least maybe bad kind of noise recently <laughs> yeah i remember having a good amount of fun with gra and gra 2 and it was it was fun because they kind of ping pong back and forth with those and was it uh tom Kansy's? was it like vegas uh rainbow six games new vegas yeah rainbow six yeah, like the Vegas one and two. Those games are great. I like those. Yeah, that was a that was a good time for Ubisoft shooters. Good job, Ubisoft. What are you doing now? <laughs> well, yeah, a lot of people like the new Rainbow Six. I can't argue with that. True. Yeah, Extraction's been been pretty cool for like big multiplayer fans, like super hardcore people. Are like have been into that. Oh, you mean Siege? Oh yeah, yeah. 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 Mean Siege, Extraction's the new one. Yeah, <laughs> Extraction's the new one. I'm thinking about Siege. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, as we said, Halo 3 ODST came out September 22nd, 2009. It did pretty well. 2.5 million copies. Ain't nothing to sneeze at, guys. Mm-mm. Generally positive reviews. I think it's an 83 on Metacritic, which that's solid. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. A lot of people complained about the price, though. That was the one thing. Brian, as you said earlier, Bungie was initially under the idea that they're going to sell it for like $30, $40. Like, hey, here's this funnel side project we did. 
But then Microsoft, some some sales guy at Microsoft was like, hmm, I bet people would buy this for $60. <laughs> That's what happened. Mm. It got yeah. dinged a little bit in the reviews for that. I think they knew exactly. Yeah, they were like, if it's only 30 or 40, we're going to over deliver on that. If they would have launched at that price, I think people would be like, well, there's, a, there's a lot here for an expansion. Once they pumped up to 60, they're like, oh, man, people are going to be pissed at us now. It's going to we're going to look like the a-holes, you know, <laughs> should have settled at 50. That seemed like that would have been the happy medium. 45. Oh, there you go. That's even better. You never get those point fives. No. That's it. Any final thoughts for ODST? I wonder if they'll ever do anything like this again. Like a little kind of side story. I mean, Reach is sort of that, but Reach is much bigger than ODST, at least from what I remember, just in scale. But like, I I wonder if there's room at this point for another Halo, like a smaller Halo side story that, or maybe just an expansion. Because I don't think, or not even think they haven't ever done just like a straight up expansion to any of their games they just make sequels basically right but with infinite position as like the next 10 years of halo whatever that actually means if like there's the part of me that thinks like what if they just keep updating it and we just get like a bunch of odsts basically for the next two years or 10 years i should say until infinite two or whatever that you know whatever that is i could maybe see him doing that i could see him i don't know what's buck been up to maybe tell yeah. a story or something or tell the story of a new spartan or like some of the yeah we don't need to get into halo infinite spoilers but i think there's room to play around with it with a character who isn't master chief i can see that happening now yeah because buck was in halo 5 right yeah and it, it really looked like him like nathan philly in that time like <laughs> it wasn't just like oh it wasn't jarring as much I, right. I i don't know my thoughts, I think it's, they do so much with, with books and like side lore that it seems like a lot of those stories are kind of put on over there. And I feel like they just feel the need to be all in on Master Chief. They got so much crap on Halo 5 for having half, half or more of the game you're playing as that, uh, that Locke guy yeah, and his team. And it, you can kind of see an infinite where you're just like, it's all Chief all the time. Don't worry about it. It is interesting they got crap then, but I don't remember them getting crap, even though I kind of complained about it. I don't remember them getting crap for Halo 2 when you played as Arbiter. I I think there were some complaints, but I don't think it was quite as... I think people were like, eventually by the end, they're like, well, I guess Arbiter's kind of cool. But yeah. I, I think at the, at the time there was some some frustration. It was like people were kind of... It was the same thing with like Metal Gear Solid 2 when you got riding it was just like at first you're like this is total crap why am i playing solid snake and you know mm-hmm. you eventually kind of come around to it you should listen to our halo 2 episode when it comes out brian Ooh, okay <laughs> i definitely will you guys come out every saturday every saturday 9 a.m nice but yeah to your point i think halo 2 story is just better received overall so that kind of made the arbor stuff a little bit more forgivable maybe of like well everything around it is pretty awesome whereas halo 5 people just were not happy with that plot in general yeah was well, is, is odst worth revisiting today it's this weird side story it's maybe not as polished as three or reach or anything yeah i think it's a fascinating look at open world halo pre-infinite but is it like the last game to go back to in the master chief collection uh oh yeah for sure 
unless you just really hate it, Halo Five, I guess. But like, Halo Five's not part of it. But yeah, it yeah, pretty much. Yeah, it's if you if you played everything else and never gotten around to it, it's like maybe give it a shot, see what you think. I mean, it's not a bad game at all. Yeah, it's especially if you like Infinite and you're like. When they delayed it a year, they pulled in Joseph Staten off, you know, back into the fold after he'd been gone for such a long time. And um, that seemed to be a good call. Like, he kind of created a lot of the of the core base lore from the first games. And, you know, you can see he was looking for a way to make open world interesting. I mean, I'm sure a lot of that was all very much in place by then, but he seemed to be a very good fit to finish the fight and the game (laughs) (laughs) that's right i like that well i think that's gonna do it for us thanks brian for being here thank you thanks for having me guys yeah really enjoyed it thanks everybody out there for listening to this episode please like us subscribe leave a review all that good jazz we love it uh we'll read some reviews here in a coming episode so if you want to review us you can review now on spotify so if you listen on spotify leave us a review there you can follow me at Benjamin Reeves on Twitter. I'm at Marcus Stewart seven on Twitter. It's the number seven. I'm on uh, Brian, Brian Vore on Twitter. Anything else you want to plug, Brian? You do anything with MinMax coming up? Ooh. Um, yeah, I mean, I'm, I were open to, to do a lot of the pop culture uh, uh, videos and or uh, TV shows and movies. We just did a, a Spider-Man uh a video that got uh, a strike or a takedown from Sony. I can't remember if we talked about that on air or not, but uh, so I'm, I'm, I'm hoping we can kind of continue pressing on talking about, you know, shows and, and movies. Keep an eye out for Max spoiler stuff on min max and just in general, main podcast stuff. Sometimes, sometimes on, on there. So you can kind of keep an eye out for that kind of stuff. Perfect. Well, thanks again for being here, Brian. We appreciate it. Come back next week, everybody. We'll be reaching for the stars. Mm, You need never stop reaching. That's what you want to say. 